0: Hello my love, welcome to the Asian Women Mean Business podcast, hosted by me, Rupinda Kaur. I will share tools, tips and experiences to help make your life easier, bolder and happier. We will bring in guests who have lessons to share about life, purpose and relationships and how they overcome their challenges to create a life that they are proud of. My hope is that each episode will shine more light on your life and help you gain clarity on who you are, recognise your strengths to empower you to become a powerful woman. Someone who knows her worth, who is confident about herself and her identity. A woman who is willing to evolve to become the best version of herself, not just for her but for future generations. Are you ready? Well let's get started with this week's episode. Welcome to another episode of Asian Women Mean Business. Today, I want to talk to you about understanding and healing intergenerational trauma, also known as ancestral healing. This is actually very present in my life at the moment. We wrapped up this theme in September and October in Inspire Club, but I wanted to share it wider because I think it's really important topic and it's something that can really elevate our level of healing and growth and understanding. The the field of intergenerational trauma healing, also called ancestral healing, is both very new and extremely ancient. I I came across this vital work four years ago when a dear friend mentioned to me that perhaps some of my postnatal depression was linked to generational trauma. I actually remember this so vividly. we had gone for a walk, and I was talking to her about how I had been feeling and at that point, point I had depression for a few weeks and months and I remember saying to her, It feels I can feel this this depression and this sadness in every cell in my being, and she looked at me and she said. Rapinda, maybe it's not just your trauma, maybe it's not just your depression, but it's something that's been passed down to you through your ancestry. And that's what's sitting in the cells. And I remember her rubbing her hands. And I looked at her as if she had grown an extra head, because I just couldn't get my head around it. I thought, what is this? But I kept an open mind, got home, started looking into it. And then really started to explore and understand it, We started to implement it, started to work with people who were unpacking this. And last year in Inspire Club, one of our Inspire sisters, Yadavid, also mentioned it. And she mentioned that she'd just finished a diploma and she offered to host a live session to share some of her learnings. I was hooked. I then went and did the, the same diploma that she had done, really heightened and, deepened my sense of understanding of this topic, started to implement and practice it. And only then did I uh, implement the session within Inspire Club once I had lived it, experienced it, learned it. And I just wanted to share some of the things that have come up for me and for others in the hope that it might inspire you to take some action as well. Ancestral healing is based on the understanding that the past does not simply disappear. The painful histories that our ancestors endured, as well as their rich cultural wisdom, linger and interwine with us to create the patterns of who we are and what we are becoming. It really does apply to all of us, but especially groups and ethnicities who have suffered grave challenges such as war, discrimination, poverty or displacement. The historical patterns of our ancestors, as well as their rich Cultural wisdom interwine with us to create the psychological and genetic material of our future. Even when past pain remains unspoken or has long been forgotten, it becomes part of us and our children, a legacy of both strength and wounds that shapes our lives. However, it is in our power to transform our family's traumas into blessings and wounds into wisdom, We can learn to release the patterns and behaviours that have come down to us and strengthen and energise legacies that are positive and life-giving. So the first question that we always get asked is, you know, who are your ancestors? Who are our ancestors? Your ancestors are the biological and historical members of your lineage, both blood and spirit. So our ancestors exist in the genes they pass down through us, and through the generations and we know that you know how many times have you maybe heard it in your family that and this child looks like their grandfather or this person or that person because of that genetic makeup but it's also not just the genes that are passed down to us it's the energetic pattern of thoughts emotions illnesses and karma which can affect us and the way to think about this is that if you imagine that you're standing at the front of the line, and you have rows and rows behind you. So, you know, if you imagine like a family tree, you have your parents, your grandparents, your great grandparents, your great-great-grandparents, your great-great, great, great-grandparents. Effectively, if you can go back to seven generations, in that very top row, you will have 128 great 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 grandparents. And what ancient wisdom tells us is that going back those seven generations any of those traumas anything that they have experienced or gone through has the ability to be passed down to us now some of you might be feeling a bit skeptical and cynical about this and to be honest I was as well i'm everything that i do is rooted in science i i have a degree in psychology my background is in psychology and hr which Contrary to people thinking, oh, that's really pink and fluffy, it's driven by science and analysis and analytics and logic. So I had to really look into the research around ancestral healing and trauma and look at some of the studies that have come out. So a 2015 study found that the children of the survivors of the Holocaust had epigenetic changes to a gene that was linked to their levels of cortisol hormone a hormone involved in the stress response. So if you're not sure what epigenetics are, epigenetics is the study of our our genetic makeup. And it's the understanding and belief and research that shows that those genes can be changed due to environmental factors. And so the studies that have looked into the Holocaust, for example, what they did was they've they've always looked at the, the survivors of the Holocaust and their legacy and their gene pool versus those that weren't in the Holocaust and what's the difference? There's also been other studies of humans whose ancestors have survived through periods of starvation in Sweden and the, ne- and the Netherlands. The effects of famine on epigenetics and health can pass through at least three generations. To explore how trauma affects generation of mice, researchers stressed mother mice. Their pups then exhibited both molecular and behavioural changes, such as taking on more risks or on an elevated maze. These changes persisted for up to five generations. There's also been some studies and some understanding around, and maybe you've seen this meme that is often quite popular on social media, that the female fetus that is growing in the womb already carries its full complement of eggs. This means that there is physical DNA of any future grandchildren present inside every pregnant mother the DNA is potentially being exposed to changes in the pregnant mother's environment so the way I want you to think about this is that when your grandmother was pregnant with your mother and you were an egg in your mother in that fetus that your grandmother was carrying whatever your grandmother experienced at that time any trauma anything that had an impact on her environment both good and negative would have passed down to that fetus who is your mother and would have passed down to the eggs that she was carrying from which you have come from that is how epigenetics works that's how intergenerational trauma is carried through and if you think about what we as a South Asian community have gone through with the 1947 partition with the various wars and displacements that have happened across our community. I belong to the Sikh community, and I can see very clearly how the trauma of 1947 and then the events of the 1984 Sikh genocide that took place in India, how that has shaped how we are as a people and how that trauma is carried through our genetic pool. Um, Those of you that may have links to... Uganda and the exile that had to take place there, where thousands of South Asians had to leave and come to Britain and were effectively displaced, that would have been trauma that was visited on your grandparents or your parents that may have been carried through to you as well. So, the way ancestral healing works is that it's based on the understanding, as I said, that the past doesn't disappear that the blessings of our ancestors as well as their painful patterns lie dormant within us. So the first thing you want to do if you're you're interested in this is know who your ancestors are. Start to plot your family tree, talk to your family about your parents, your grandparents, your siblings, your cousins, your aunts and uncles and get as much information as possible about your ancestors. Trace the meaning of your surname because that's usually a clue to who you were and who your legacy belongs to you can build a family pedigree chart that you can find these on google on, on canva on various documents you can even take a dna test that breaks down your ancestry once you've found out more about your ancestors you know sit with that information and ask yourself how do you feel about what's come up for you what stories have you learned do you feel pride do you feel ashamed do you feel heavy do you feel light? What do you now know about them? Think about what your ancestors experienced. Many of our beliefs around scarcity are rooted in the experiences of past generations who lived through the partition of India, exile in Uganda, revolutions wars famines heightened discrimination at times when money and food were hard for people to come by these beliefs have then been conveyed through to us the next generation through use of common sayings and have resulted in this subtle subconscious programming i know that i have seen this in certainly in my ancestry and some of the things that my grandparents and even my parents have said to me around money for example around how they've hoarded on and kept a hold of certain things that really they didn't need to, but they felt that it was deeply rooted in the sense of they didn't want to just give things away or just get rid of things. Um, It usually comes up with how people eat and how they, how much reverence and love and respect they hold for food. And maybe that's something that you've heard as well, but make a note of any reoccurring patterns when you're speaking to your, to your family and you'll get an understanding of where some of these beliefs have come from. If you're keen to connect with your ancestors, there's a few things that you can do. You can visit ancestral homelands um, and cemeteries where your ancestors are buried. And so and so many of us have a place usually in our ancestral village called jatere, And that's where there is... Effectively, it's a shrine to our ancestors, to our shaheeds, to those who are, who have been martyred and passed on. And it's a very physical place that people can go to to pay their respects and pay reverence. And that's something that I know I struggled with when I was growing up. I couldn't understand why I was being asked to go to these places when we went to India. And it, and to be fair to my parents they didn't have the ability to make me understand. There was a, definitely a language gap, although I understand and speak Punjabi and although my dad certainly speaks English. When you're talking about these sorts of things, the level of depth and understanding and language needed to communicate far surpassed what was needed for me or for my parents. And actually I grew up thinking and feeling and behaving very flippantly towards our ancestral places which is something that I regret now, now that I understand the power and significance of them. Because what you have to understand with your ancestors is that you potentially have an army of people that are rooting for you, that want you to do well. And what they want is to be loved and acknowledged and they they want to be revered for the impact that they can have on our lives. The other thing you can do is if you want to connect with your ancestors is dedicate positive actions in their name feed the homeless or needy, hold prayers, donate to a charity in their name, that will make a a deeper connection to them. I know people and in various faiths and religions they make actual offerings to their ancestors so they will offer food and clothing and water and sustenance but the most important and challenging way to honour our ancestors is to fulfil your soul's purpose and potential. What our ancestors want for us is to live a whole, complete lives where we're following our heart, our soul, our purpose. If you think about, you know, I'm a mum, I have my my children. I want them to do the very best they can and live a life that is full and free from regret. And that's what our ancestors want for us. That's the same sort of relationship. They want us to go out and just smash it. They want us to feel a life free of regret. And by the way, if you've you know, not listen to that podcast, one of the, the, the top five regrets of the dying, the number one regret is that I did not live a life that was unique and authentic to me, but what others expected of me. And that's what our ancestors want for us. They want us to live a life that is authentic and unique to us. And when you start to do some of these things, when you start to find out who your ancestors are, you start to make a connection with them, you start to visit the ancestral homelands, you start to speak of them, there might be some things that you start to notice shifting around you and within you, you might find that your dreams become more vivid, you might find that you become you have Visitations in these dreams from your ancestors and those that have passed over. You might be traveling in your dreams to some of these de- destinations and places. You might find that there's more synchronicity in your life. Synchronicities are events that are connected to one another that seem like chance or coincidence but have far deeper significance. I don't believe in coincidences, I believe in synchronicities. It's when you get that phone call, it's when you get that connection. With someone else. It's when you see someone. It's when things line up in a way that makes sense to a bigger meaning and a bigger purpose. You might find that you actually start to get visits from your ancestors, from guides, from people that have recently passed over. And those might be visits in a very real sense. It might be, um, you might feel their presence, you might be thinking of them more often, you might notice things that are happening. And then the other thing that might start to happen is that you start noticing signs and symbols. So you start noticing things like animals and objects and smells is another one. You might hear songs or certain prayers or certain things that connect you to that person. Certain books might become more relevant. You know, our ancestors use all of these things to communicate to us. We just need to have the eyes and the ability to be able to see it. So once you've understood, you know, who your ancestors are, what the trauma is that they've gone through, if you've been able to link anything that you're going through with them, you want to start healing and shifting all of that. And some of the things that have helped me to heal and shift some of my intergenerational trauma has been doing the work around energy modalities. And so some of the things that have helped me have, have been things like EMDR, which is rapid eye movement emotional freedom technique, which is tapping, Reiki, trauma release exercises, metaphysical anatomy technique, chakra healing, yoga, meditation, prayer, exercise, movement. All of these things have helped shift the trauma that has is has been sitting inside me, inside my cells, inside my body, which even when I've gone through even when I've gone through postnatal depression or grief or something that has been a, a very profound experience, what I have found is that when I've been able to connect it back to my ancestry, those feelings have been heightened. And I've been able to use some of these energy modalities to shift through. I've sat with my therapist, with my coach, who is also a shaman healer, to really sit down and explore what's coming up for me. And some of the ways that we can feel the presence of the trauma in a very real sense is how it holds us back in our life. So one of the things that I was struggling with this summer was becoming more visible. So really stepping outside. We did this brilliant photo shoot. We did this rebranding. I had a personal branding photo shoot. All of these things, this podcast, All of these things have required me to step up, step out, to share. And at the same time, I've I've had this overwhelming fear of just wanting to hide, of not wanting to be visible, of wanting to be invisible. And whilst we all have some sense of that fear, because it's closely linked to a fear of rejection, of not being liked, um, of not pleasing everyone, for me it felt deeper than that. And it was only when I sat with some of the things that were coming up that I realized I come from a legacy of women who weren't meant to be seen. I come from a legacy of women who, you know, as far back as my great grandmother, who I did meet, she used to practice the parda. So she did used to cover her face and she wouldn't show herself. And that those feelings of not wanting to be seen of being invisible, of shrinking ourselves is definitely passed down to me, both through what my great grandmother and grandmother and my mother have said and done and how they have behaved. But also the things that they have said physically to me. Um, I don't know if any of you can relate to this, but I, I love to laugh. I have a massive laugh. I have a wholehearted laugh. And I remember, you know, my grandmother saying to me, the you know don't keep showing your teeth stop laughing the sound of a woman's laughter was too much because of the way we've been conditioned and so when I'm then being asked to do certain things that require me to step outside of that comfort zone it felt so uncomfortable it felt so fearful and it was something that I've had to really work on this summer and those modalities that I've talked about is how I've worked on them and really shifted that, and understood that that fear wasn't just mine, but it was passed down to me. And so I want to leave you with this quote that I read, and I thought it was just stunning. If you look deeply into the palm of your hand, you will see your parents and all generations of your ancestors. All of them are alive in this moment. Each is present in your body. You are the continuation of each of these people. I hope you found this episode useful. As I said, ancestral healing for me has been hugely powerful. When I chose to practice this, I've seen not only shifts in myself, but shifts in my mum, shifts in my daughter. I have seen the evidence of it. And so I hope this inspires you to look into it more deeper and for you to feel the positive impact too. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode. Do subscribe, leave a review and share. It would mean the world to me.